Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this evening and thank you for your word. I pray that you'd instruct us and teach us and uh, build us up in your truth and that we would come to know your son uh, even more. Uh, and just even to remember that uh, he's your eternal son and uh, he is uh, the one true living God. Uh, that you exist for all eternity as the one God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and that you've lived in perfect communion for, for all time. And so uh, when we learn about you, when we learn about uh, our God, and we learn about uh, your Son, uh, we're, we're being uh, instructed about, about him, even, even your Son, whom you sent. And so we thank you for these things and pray that you'd be uh, with us and build up our body. And we pray in your son's name. Amen. All right. So let's be back in Deuteronomy tonight. And so I'll briefly go back to Deuteronomy 1. And we're just looking now at Moses really uh, just a, the, the last couple months leading up to uh, the uh, Joshua and the second generation crossing over into the promised land to inherit the land, uh, what the first generation did not do. And we've been surveying and looking at just some of the explicit evidence, uh, mostly of what Moses uh, was explicitly said to write down uh, but also some other things along the way and just kind of surveying the, the Torah. And so all that was written uh, in their first year out of the uh, Exodus, and uh, we looked at the curse against Amalek, uh, the Ten Commandments that were written on tablets of stone, the Book of the Covenant, the records of the tabernacle, all the contributions for the tabernacle and the plans for it. Uh, Leviticus, uh, Moses instructed the people. And then coming to the end of that, first year, uh, you had uh, the first census uh, as they were preparing to go into the land, the, the first generation. One year at Sinai, and now they're ready to go into the land of Canaan to inherit it. And then, through numbers, we saw through their 40 years, and especially toward the end, uh, Moses continued teaching, uh, instructing, uh, the book of the wars of Yahweh. Uh, we saw the second census. Uh, there was a poem by by Balaam and such like that. Uh, and all of the records, their uh, travelogue for the places they journeyed from place to place to place. And now uh, we're at Deuteronomy uh, where Moses is giving what some have called kind of his last will and testament, but he's exhorting the people. He's encouraging them, strengthening them. Joshua, Caleb, the second generation, because the first generation, they've died in the wilderness. Uh, all of the men. Uh, Miriam, Aaron, they've died. They're not going to enter. Uh, Moses is not going to enter. His job is, as God's prophet, is to instruct the people, to encourage them, uh, to strengthen them, because it's the second generation that Yahweh is going to send in to preserve his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and uh, Jacob. And so Deuteronomy, it's really framed as a narrative 
uh, narrative is kind of story and you have uh, true stories or fictional, then this is a true story, a historical narrative uh, that speaks of these events that unfolded. Uh, God's uh, person, his work, his word, his deeds uh, in uh, bringing about uh, and upholding his covenants, uh, his blessing, uh, his purposes to uh, redeem the earth uh, through uh, the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so what we were really seeing with Deuteronomy was, although it's framed as narrative, uh, it has a lot of elements uh, that were known about covenantal legal uh, texts. And so we're just looking at, uh, there's an introduction called The World and the Word, an introduction to the Old Testament uh, by Eugene H. Merrill, Mark Rooker, and Michael Grisanti. Uh, and I think Eugene H. Merrill, he was at uh, Dallas Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, Michael Grisanti uh, is at the, the Master's Seminary. He's an Old Testament scholar there uh, with uh, John MacArthur, where he's uh, president. And they're just going through some of the elements of uh, covenant treaties uh, that were found uh, even like among the Hittites. So they talk about like the Hittite suzerain vassal treaty form. Uh, and a suzerain is a king, a great king, and a vassal is their servant. And uh, Yahweh is the king over his people, uh, and he establishes a covenant with them. And so, Lord willing, when we go through Deuteronomy in the future, we'll see there are things that are shared, and there are also differences, uh, too, uh, with the covenant treaties that were uh, known at these times. But we're just seeing how they lay out some elements, uh, like a, a preamble and historical prologue. And that kind of sets, and I don't even know about some of the language, uh, some of it, like the, the preamble that they talk about, the very start of Deuteronomy, first five verses. In narrative, it's typical to set the context uh, in space and time uh, to introduce uh, participants and people who uh, act and such uh, in the events that unfold. Uh, and especially like in the Torah, well, all of scripture, uh, God is the central participant. Uh, he's active throughout. Uh, Moses, he's active, Exodus through uh, Deuteronomy uh, in the events that unfold. But after he dies, God is still acting. God is still there and present. Uh, and you have Joshua uh, in the, the book of Joshua. And then you have, go through all the judges and time of Saul and David and Solomon. So you have all these different people and, and actors in salvation history uh, but God is present and acting throughout, uh, even books like Esther, where God is never mentioned even once, and yet he's orchestrating the whole thing. Uh, you, you can't explain the book of Esther uh, unless God is behind the scenes uh, providentially governing and working out everything uh, to protect uh, his people from uh, Haman, uh, the descendant of the uh, Agag of the Amalekites, the leader of the Amalekites. And so with like what they call a preamble, it's also just consistent with narrative where you establish a setting uh, and such. Uh, and here, they're uh, near Moab. Uh, they're on the bank of the Jordan to the east, just north of the Dead Sea. And they're waiting to enter uh, into the promised land uh, as Moses is 
uh, exhorting them. And so it sets that whole context and then flows right into uh, Moses' uh, discourse uh, recounting uh, the events that had proceeded leading up to this time uh, to uh, instruct the people and to remind them what God had done from them, bringing them out of Egypt, uh, bringing them especially from the Mount Sinai, uh, the death of the first generation uh, to the second generation, and uh, even defeating uh, Sihon and uh, Og, Og the, the king of uh, Bashan, and uh, Sihon the, the king of uh, Heshbon uh, to the east of the, the Jordan. Uh, and so these first chapters, uh, they say in the, the world and the, the word, uh, Eugene Merrill and his uh, co-authors, concerning the historical prologue, uh, chapters, especially one uh, through chapter four, uh, the purpose of this element is to rehearse the past relationships between the contracting parties and even their respective forebears. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forebears, uh, reminding them who they are and what God has done for them to redeem them and to bring them to this place uh, on the, the plains uh, right by Moab, uh, the, the plains just east of the Jordan, ready to enter into the, uh, the promised land. I want to show you, we kind of skipped over a little bit, but as Moses comes to the end of well, toward the end of this section, go to chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. And so back in about verse 5-6, five, five, it said that Mo now Moses spoke uh, to the people, you know, all that Yahweh commanded, and Moses began speaking and recounting all of this uh, narrative. And it's still going on. Moses is still teaching, exhorting the people, recounting these things. <coughs> but you do ha start to have a transition as you go into chapter 4. So let's look at uh, chapter 3, start with uh, verse uh, 23. And Jim, would, would you mind uh, reading? Sure. Uh, just read through the end of uh, chapter 3. I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes westwards and northwards and southwards and eastwards and look at it with your eyes, for you shall not go over this Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he shall go over at the head of this people and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. So we, we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. And so you have the, the end of this narrative where now with the conquering of these kings to the east, 
Moses appeals to God's mercy and loving kindness. That worked so many times before, but God has already declared that it's not time for Moses to go over. Uh, Joshua is going to go over and bring, uh, bring the people. Uh, Moses one day will be in the kingdom, but not this time. And so, but then it transitions. We're going into chapter 4. Uh, Moses says, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that uh, Yahweh, uh, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of Yahweh your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what Yahweh did at uh, Baal Peor. Uh, for Yahweh your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to Yahweh your God are alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as Yahweh my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Uh, keep them and do them. And goes on to talk about that I even saw someone use the, the language of one nation under God. Uh, truly, uh, Israel was, one, was to be one nation uh, under uh, the one true living uh, creator God. Uh, he had made uh, a covenant with them uh, and talks about how it'll be your wisdom before the nations and such and, uh, and their identification uh, with God. And so he really starts with their relationship and identity to God, to Yahweh, uh, to uh, the creator of all the nations that he had scattered and given over to the host of heaven, but he took them as his own uh, special uh, possession. And so here Moses starts to transition uh, into the exhortation and the commandments uh, and still set some uh, context as he goes through and recounting what happened at Sinai and uh, the words and the commandments. But then going into chapter 5, you have a transition where it says, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them. So the first time he spoke was back in chapter 1. I think verse 6, 5, 6, around there. Uh, now it breaks it up. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them. And so it breaks it up. We, we've, left, we've left a section. Uh, and now uh, we start to go in where he looks at uh, the, the core uh, teachings, uh, the core commandments about their relationship uh, with God, uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, uh, in chapter 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, uh, with all your strength. You shall teach these things to your sons. Uh, you shall speak of them when you, when you uh, sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Uh, so uh, from the time you rise in the day to the time you go to bed, uh, in all of your inactivity and activity throughout the day, uh, to speak about God's words, uh, to remember them. And so here is where uh, Merrill and his fellow authors, they speak about uh, general stipulations. So you have these general laws and commandments that really focus on their relationship with God. 
Uh, it's very much like the, uh, the, the first uh, table in the Ten Commandments uh, that focus on uh, God and their relationship to God. And then it goes on uh, to discuss uh, their relationship with their uh, fellow man. Uh, that their relationship to one another, uh, to their brothers, Israel, hinges upon their relationship with God. And so uh, they have uh, chapters 5 through 11. I'd have to look again. I, I think that's right, uh, transitioning into uh, 12. Uh, but of the general stipulations, they say, uh, these are the basic principles of relationship designed to reveal the purposes of the great king and to alert the vassal regarding the guidelines within which those purposes, as they affect him especially, are to be implemented uh, in the time to come. And so looking at really the, the core principles and instruction about who they are in relation to God and why they should believe God and, and keep his, uh, his commandments. Um, throughout this section, that's where you have, you know, do, uh, do not think that I'm sending these people out because of, or giving you the land because of your righteousness. No, it's because of the people's unrighteousness that I'm putting them out of the land. And you weren't the, the greatest of all the peoples, but you're the very least of them. Uh, and, uh, and he goes on to talk about how their fathers and Abraham, that they were pagans. They were, they were uh, of the, the goyim, the, the peoples, uh, the wayward peoples uh, in nations. But God called Abraham out uh, to form him as a people uh, and to give him offspring. Yeah. I was going to say it's interesting because I'm the very least of the people, and it's Israel that was hardened because of what they did. Now I've been I've inherited you know their birthright there God chose me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean he did beforehand too. But you see that in Corinthians, don't you? Yeah, Beginning of Corinthians. Yeah, the people were hardened in Israel's case, and now Israel's hardened. And yeah, if, uh, you're feeling a little good about yourself. Uh, go read First uh, <laughs> Corinthians chapter one two, uh, and you'll see God. Uh, does God choose you know the. the the wise and you know from the strong no he chooses the the foolish and and uh, the weak and well you know according to the world and, and world standards and such uh those that are not you know things that are not in a way and it's so, kind of a relief yeah <laughs> yeah oh god how okay, that's gonna work out right <laughs> that yeah if you know if we have anything going for us it's that we have nothing going for us yeah. <laughs> that god god is uh merciful so and so throughout this section, and then let's just go to uh, chapter, uh, chapter 12 briefly. And so here I want to re review some. I know like once you get into 13, you, you get to false prophets and such, and you get to the, you keep going, you get to the feasts, you get to the corporate offices, uh, judge, priest, king, prophet. And so there are all these more specific uh, stipulations they talk about. Uh, but as he transitions uh, out of, and just even look at <clears throat> ver or chapter 11, 
look at verse 26. You will see some, some things kind of like this later. But see, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. Uh, the blessing, if you obey the commandments of Yahweh your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of Yahweh your God. But, tur but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. And when Yahweh your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, you shall set the blessing on Mount uh, Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal, uh, are they not beyond the Jordan, west of the road toward the going down of the sun in the land of the Canaanites uh, who live in the Arabah opposite Gilgal uh, beside the Oak of Morah? For you are to cross over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land uh, that the Lord your God is giving you. And when you possess it and live in it, you shall be careful to do all the statutes and the rules that I am setting before you uh, today. And so... We'll see as we get later uh, into uh, chapters well, 27, uh, 28, and, and beyond, you get the blessing and the curse uh, that's expounded. And uh, going on uh, Mount uh, Ebal and Mount uh, Gerizim uh, to uh, recite the blessing and the curse that's laid out at the end of, uh, toward the end of this covenantal text. And there will be witnesses to the covenant and such. Uh, but it kind of brings to a section summarizing uh, the, the teaching uh, that he goes through and then transitions into uh, verse 12. Uh, These are the statutes and the rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has given to, uh, you to possess all the days that you live. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess uh, serve their gods on the high mountains, and on the hills, and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars, and dash in pieces their pillars, and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods, and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship Yahweh your God in that way, but you shall seek the place that Yahweh your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. Uh, and first with the, the tabernacle and later with the, the temple. And so there will be a place designated for the worship of God uh, and to serve him, uh, to offer sacrifice, uh, to have their pilgrimage feasts. Uh, and they're not to worship uh, the gods of the people and they're not to worship them at their altars, at their high places, at their temples, at their... Uh, all of the places that they erected to worship uh, all of these different uh, deities uh, of the peoples in, in rebellion against uh, the one true living creator God. Uh, and so about the place of worship, where you shall worship God when you go into the land. And so you start to get into more specific stipulations and commandments. Uh, and you'll talk about uh, false prophets uh, going into the next chapter. Uh, and it just unfolds, all of their feasts, uh, the corporate offices, uh, as uh, I mentioned, judge, priest, king, prophet, uh, and all of the kind of unpacking even what's, what's bound up with, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, uh, and the Ten Commandments 
uh, goes into more detail. And that's very much like with the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. But then in uh, 21 through 23, you have the Book of the Covenant, which goes into more specific uh, legal stipulations and commandments and instructions for the people uh, living in the, as they lived in the wilderness, but then looking forward to uh, entering into the, the land. Now, I really want to focus on the, the later chapters. So go to Deuteronomy 27. We're just going to touch on a couple of these parts and sections and work our way especially into chapter uh, 31. Uh, and when you get to the end of chapter 26, so at the end of all these commandments and uh, stipulations that we've seen, uh, 12 through 26, uh, but also some of the more general ones uh, before uh, with, uh, from chapter 5, uh, you have this section. Well, we can't look at all of this. Uh, but talks about when he uh, brings them uh, into the land. And maybe, Steve, could you start reading from, so chapter 26, uh, reading from uh, verse uh, 12. 12 to the end? We'll see how far, far we go. Okay. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your increase, in the third year, the year of tithing, then you will give it to the Levite, to the stranger, to the orphan, and to the widow, that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. And now pause there for a moment. We're going to see, here's kind of the, the expression of basically loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I think you have the picture of a kind of a repentant, a believing uh, Israelite who's been atoned, uh, redeemed, uh, but and who has the Spirit of God uh, who loves and serves him. And it's kind of a model in the picture. Uh, and in some ways, it's kind of a picture of what's coming, where you see that there were faithful people throughout history, uh, faithful believers, uh, and that's not to say perfect, because uh, they needed atonement. Uh, they needed the forgiveness of, uh, of sins. But kind of the, the picture of how they were re to relate to their God concluding this section, uh, which then you have finally uh, fulfilled in its fullness uh, in uh, Christ, in the new covenant, uh, where God makes a once-for-all perfect sacrifice, atonement, washing away the sins. His spirit renews them, and one day, uh, more and more, I mean, in, in this life partially uh, as we grow, uh, but then uh, in the resurrection and coming of Christ, when you truly will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in Christ. And so you kind of have a picture of, of what believers, how they were to follow God and to love and to, uh, to serve him. And so uh, go on from, uh, from there, verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion from my home, from my house, 
and also have given it to the Levite and the alien, the orphan and the widow, according to all thy commandments, which thou hast commanded me. I have not transgressed or forgotten any of thy commandments. I have not eaten of it while mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor offered any of it to the dead. I have listened to the voice of the Lord my God, and have done according to all that thou hast commanded me. Look down from thy habit, holy habitation from heaven, and bless thy people Israel, and the ground which thou hast given us, a land flowing with milk and honey, as thou didst swear to our fathers. This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and ordinances. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your brethren, with all your heart, and with all your soul. We have today declared the Lord to be your God, and that you will that you would walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments and his ordinances, and listen to his voice. The Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession as he promised you, and that you should keep all his commandments, and that he shall set you high above all the nations which he has made for praise, fame, and honor, and that you shall be a consecrated people to the Lord your God, as he has spoken. And now, <clears throat> throughout history, you can think of, you think of uh, people like uh, maybe Joseph or uh, Joshua or uh, Jehoiada, the, the high priest. Uh, David was a man after uh, God's own heart and, and such. Uh, even Moses talks about, uh, talks, we'll get to the end, and he'll speak about how uh, he was God's servant. He's faithful in my, all my house. Yeah, but he's still a sinner, you know. You still see that. But uh, even in the New Testament, you see uh, it speaks of uh, John the Baptist's parents, that they were blameless, you know, before the Lord their God and such. <coughs> well, you see Zechariah go on to sin, so it's not saying that they were sinless. But they, they serve God. You see Simeon. You see Anna. You see those who hope and trust in God, and they're hoping uh, for the, the coming uh, redemption that God uh, God has promised. And so you have kind of a picture of this, but then really with the coming uh, of the kingdom uh, and the eternal son coming, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed, that's what Christ means, uh, he establishes his people. You know, he's the one who is truly perfectly faithful. Uh, he makes a once for all a perfect sacrifice and atonement. Uh, he pours out the spirit upon his people and causes them to walk in his statutes uh, in this life, we don't see the fullness, but in glorification, uh, one day uh, we will be like Christ. Uh, one day, uh, we, you know, as far as uh, humans can, we'll reflect his, his character. Uh, we'll walk in his teaching and his commandments uh, that he works in us by, by the Spirit. And so you kind of have a picture of what Israel was supposed to be, and, and you kind of have, you, you have uh, glimpses of believers and a remnant throughout history, but the nation as a whole was to be set apart to God. It was to be a holy nation. But by and large, the nation rebelled uh, and sinned uh, and was even, they were eventually put into exile. And so you kind of have this conclusion to this section, and, but then it goes into the, the blessings uh, and the, the curses uh, that would come uh, for uh, for obedience or for 
uh, disobedience upon the, the nation. And so in verse uh, 27, and we won't uh, go through this in detail. Uh, now Moses and the elders of Israel uh, commanded the people, saying, so again, it's broke up. Uh, Moses said, you know, he spoke. Uh, we saw that in uh, chapter 1, verse 5, 6, uh, at the beginning of chapter 1 of Deuteronomy. You see at the beginning of chapter uh, 5. I don't know if there's uh, another in there. You, you have interruptions like uh, maybe some editorial or, or narrator comments that kind of pause things a bit. But then here, it, again, you have a, a break in Moses' discourse and instruction uh, for the, the blessing, uh, blessings and the, the curses. So now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, saying, uh, Keep the whole commandment that I command you today. And on the day you cross over the Jordan to the land that Yahweh your God is giving you, you shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster, and you shall write on them all the words of this law when you cross over uh, to enter the land that Yahweh your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as Yahweh your, the God of your fathers has promised you. And so, talk about when they went to Mount Ebal and Mount uh, Gerizim uh, to... Well, set up, uh, set up these uh, stone monuments uh, to write down of the commandments, the, the laws, the blessings, the curses, uh, and to pronounce them and read them, uh, which even back in Exodus 24, uh, Moses wrote down uh, the Book of the Covenant, and he read it in the hearing of the people. And so you have this covenant renewal. Uh, it's kind of interesting as you go to... Uh, the end of, and so it has them reading it, and then it goes through the, in the next chapter, the consequences of obedience and disobedience. And go uh, chapter 29 or the end of uh, 28. You get to the end of the consequences of the blessings, but then the, the consequences of the curses, which go on much longer than the, the blessings. Eric? Well, I just had a question. Is this yeah. the same covenant that was on Mount Sinai given to? Well, that's kind of what we're going to see right here, uh, where there's continuity with it. If you read through all of Deuteronomy, you see that there's continuity where he talks about the Ten Commandments, giving it uh, this covenant he didn't make with your, uh, your fathers. And what he means is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made, you know, the Abrahamic covenant with them. But at Mount Sinai, you have the giving of the, the Ten Commandments, uh, the law, instruction. Uh, and so you have a lot of drawing on that, that he made, uh, made with uh, you, who are alive, you know, to this day, uh, who are here uh, today. And so there's continuity, but there's also some discontinuity, where you, you kind of have an idea of covenant renewal, and that there are even new statutes and such in Deuteronomy, as Eugene Merrill says, for as they go into the land, you know, there are going to be some changes from the, the wilderness. And so you already have kind of a sense in some ways, covenant renewal, where for their fathers, you know, they broke the covenant, they died in the wilderness. And so you have kind of covenant renewal, but there's also kind of newness and there's new statutes and, and such. Uh, with this commandment. And so you, you already kind of have an idea 
of a covenant being renewed, but maybe even a little more than that with, with new statutes uh, and such as well. And so there's continuity with that covenant, but there's also, there's also some change. So just look at the end of a verse... 28, but you kind of have to read all of Deuteronomy where you'll see more of the continuity because here we're going to see some of the discontinuity, you know, some of the change along those lines. But it's still bound up with that covenant, you know, with the Ten Commandments and such. Uh, And Joshua even makes a covenant with the people at the end of Joshua. And there are different times in their history where they make covenants that are either distinct or sometimes it's renewal, reaffirming. Um, maybe like even in Josiah's day where they found that uh, the book of the law uh, really focusing on uh, Deuteronomy, Moses' instructions such had been neglected. And so you have kind of ideas of covenant renewal and such as they go back to God's word, back to uh, his commandments. And so let's see Oh, I somehow ended up in Exodus. <laughs> uh, there, Deuteronomy. Uh, Jim, would would you mind uh, reading? Let's see. We'll look at. Oh, and the funny thing: Hebrew text, uh, <laughs> verse one of chapter twenty-nine, is in twenty-eight. In English, it belongs in twenty. It belongs with what comes before. That's why you have to kind of ignore the the chapters sometimes. Um, and so, uh, uh, from verse uh, sixty-five, so we see the tail end of the curses, and we come to the end. <clears throat> and among these nation, nations, you shall find no respite, and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot. The Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in dread and have no assurance of your life. In the morning you shall say, if only it were evening. And at evening you shall say, if only it were morning. Because of the dread that your heart shall feel and the sights that your eyes shall see. And the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt, a journey that I promised you should never make again. And there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. But there will be no buyer. Next verse. These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he had made. So, yeah, uh, these are the words of the covenant that Yahweh commanded Moses to make uh, with the people of Israel in the land of Moab besides the covenant that he had made with them at Horeb. And so there you have kind of discontinuity where you see connection with the Ten Commandments and in reference to that, but you also have this change where there's kind of expansion and such uh, with the commandments and teachings and statutes, st- statutes, which is almost sort of a, a pattern of with the people breaking 
that God establishing a new covenant. But Jesus even says he came to fulfill the oath. And so then in, in uh, Jeremiah, uh, you have a picture of, uh, there he talks about uh, a new covenant, not like the one that I made with your fathers. You know, now there's going to be a uh, once for all perfect sacrifice, you know, uh, perfecting atonement. Uh, now in all those who belong to the covenant, uh, every man, woman, and child uh, who truly belongs, uh, they shall all have God's spirit in them. They shall all be taught by God, so they shall no longer say to uh, each to his neighbor, know the Lord, you know, as if they, they don't know God. Know the Lord, know the Lord, know the Lord. You know, as if people don't know God, they lived in a land where people did not know God. By and large, I mean, they, they are even worshiping the Baals and the Asherahs and uh, in addition to Yahweh and in their rebellion. And so they were dealing surrounded by unbelievers so that even Elijah would say that they've killed your prophets and I alone am left. And God has to say, well, actually, Elijah, I've kept 7,000 for myself. You know, there's a remnant. Uh, and so God is faithful, but he thinks he's alone in the land. There, there, there's no one. You know, there's no one who believes in Yahweh. There's no one who calls upon him. And, you know, it might be a little hyperbolic, but ah, that's what he's dealing with. That, that's what he's really dealing with, with the, the unbelief and rebellion uh, in the land. Yeah. And I was thinking in the New Testament, Jesus makes it more clear that, I guess it's through Paul that he makes it more clear that there's no way that you can keep the laws really just to show, you know, our sin, mm -hmm. which, you know, the Israelites should have immediately figured out because they broke it while they were even gaining the law mm -hmm. from God the mountain. But mm -hmm. then it also, it occurred to me that, you know, the differences in the law that, that uh, is mentioned in the, later on in Deuteronomy there, that should also if they were following what God was giving, should have pointed them off that it's not just the, these exact rules are going to save me because he switched the exact rules. Absolutely. If, if they actually understood Deuteronomy, for a believer who truly understood Deuteronomy and had his theology right, they would know it's not because of my righteousness. It's not because of my greatness. I'm the least. You know, I'm, I'm unrighteousness. My my. Fathers were, were unbelievers. I, I come from, you know, unbelief uh, and rebellion against God and worshiping false gods uh, in that I need atonement. God makes provision on the day of atonement. Now it's year after year. So again, you don't have the ones for all, but they could believe God would atone. It says, I will forgive their sins. Uh, the priest will atone and I will forgive their sins. And so you have this pattern that goes on through history uh, until the, the coming of, of Christ. And so there was provision for the forgiveness of sins. And they saw that, uh, so the men who rebelled, the spies in the land, none of them shall see the land, except for Caleb, who had a different spirit. He had the spirit of Yahweh. Joshua, Moses laid his hands upon him, and the spirit came upon him. And so when it talks even, I might say spirit of Moses, but it does the same with like the, the spirit of Elijah. Elisha asks for a double portion of the spirit. God's spirit had come upon him and talks about as the spirit of Elijah. And so the same spirit that was upon Elijah is upon Elisha. And John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah. <laughs> same spirit that was upon Elijah and Elisha was on John the Baptist. And so 
it was seen that their hearts needed to be circumcised. They needed the Spirit of God. And so uh, not only could they not just justify themselves, they needed the forgiveness of sins, but they couldn't keep God's commandments. They couldn't walk in his ways apart from his spirit. And so God did make atonement, he, uh, although it wasn't a once-for-all perfect sacrifice. So you have types and shadows. But they could trust God that he would forgive their sins. Uh, but he also circumcised hearts and gave his spirit. He just didn't promise it to everyone uh, under the old covenant. And so there were believers. Uh, there, there were uh, regenerate uh, believers uh, under the old covenant. You see like Simeon, you see Anna, you see uh, the remnant, the 7,000 uh, throughout. Uh, but then in the new covenant, now you have a once for all perfect sacrifice that utterly wipes out their sins once and for all, not this repetitious uh, week after week, you know, all the feasts and sacrifices, uh, year after year, Day of Atonement, seven years, 49, 50, Jubilees, uh, all of that. And so now you have a once for all perfect sacrifice and God regenerates and circumcises the hearts of all of his people who, who truly belong to his covenant. And so now he's building uh, a people uh, into nation, into kingdom, that will truly, as one man, you know, in Christ, uh, will be faithful to God and serve him. Uh, and uh, you'll see uh, in the millennial kingdom that God's salvation uh, will, I mean, we, we see that in this age, but it will extend to the ends of the, the earth like no other time. Uh, people, people will be saved and redeemed throughout. Uh, after Satan is bound. And so you, you can see that there were believers and such, but if they understood Deuteronomy properly, uh, they then wouldn't have thought that they could uh, just simply uh, justify themselves. They'd see, I need my sins forgiven, otherwise I'm under a curse. I need God's spirit or I can't even begin uh, to, uh, to walk in his ways. Uh, and so... I think those are some of the contrasts when you get to like Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 36 uh, and such. And uh, th it's kind of funny because with, uh, with Paul, okay, you can, you can cherry pick Paul's negative statements about the law, the Torah, you know, speaking broadly, especially looking at the, uh, the covenant, uh, Torah as covenant. But you can look at, you can look at his, just take his negative statements and then take the positive statements in Deuteronomy and just say, oh, they just contradict one another. You know, what's Paul talking about? But then you can take the negative statements in Deuteronomy and the positive statements from Paul and say, you know, they don't get along. There's some complexity in depth uh, to them and with uh, Paul and such. And so Paul can even say things like uh, in Corinthians, uh, about like Barnabas and such, you know, can't they take, take uh, believing wives along with them and receive some support from the churches for their ministry? Uh, do I say this on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same? Whoa, Paul, you just quoted the law as an authority? <laughs> and, and he even draws on, uh, you know, things that sound kind of civil and ceremonial. You shall not muzzle an ox when it eats. And uh, even the priests, you know, they, they received... Uh, they received a portion from the sacrifices for their work. And so as scripture, this instruction that's 
consistent with God's character and creation and with the teachings of Christ in the New Covenant. He quotes as, a, as an authority, <laughs> but he's not, you know, he's not trying to put them back under as covenant, you know, as the binding uh, law covenant or try and put them like under, under a curse, you know, Christ has fulfilled that. And so there are, there are all sorts of places. Paul even talks about the, uh, in Ephesians, I think five, uh, where he talks about uh, children, obey your parents uh, in the Lord. Uh, and, and he draws from the law and says, this is right, for it is written, uh, you shall honor your mother and father. This is the first commandment with the promise. And he focuses on the promise, you know, kind of there. But in, in so some places, he's, he's all for the Torah, you know, for scripture and instruction as it's consistent with God's character and creation and uh, Christ teaching under the new covenant. Uh, but when it comes to trying to go back under the binding legal covenant, Torah as covenant, uh, then, you know, Paul puts on his gloves and, you know, he, he's ready to, uh, to brawl to the death over that because now, now you're dealing with the gospel. You know, now you're dealing with the uh, issues of the uh, rejecting the new covenant and uh, the greater sacrifice. And so uh, there's, some real, there's some real death uh, to, uh, to Deuteronomy. And I remember I used to just think of like the law, oh, law, the Torah, bad, bad, you know, it's like, but the, the, there are promises, there's prophecy, there's, uh, there's wisdom in it, and God even circumcised hearts uh, and gave atonement, you know, under that time, but uh, you, you look beyond, like, the types and the shadows, and uh, we, we see the greater, the greater fullness. And now, we'll try and look at the last uh, couple things, and I, I think Lord willing, next week, uh, we'll, we'll look more at Genesis. Might, might just touch on a couple things. Uh, but here we have this transition out of the uh, blessings and curses uh, and concerning those uh, Meryl, and I have, to, I have to check, Michael Grisanti could be the primary writer here because I think he's even working on a commentary uh, on Deuteronomy. Uh, but uh, the blessings and curses, so 27 through 28, uh, the result of faithful obedience to the terms of the covenant, uh, that is to the stipulations, will ensure that the vassal, uh, the servant, uh, will receive appropriate regard. Uh, conversely, disobedience will bring swift and sure retribution at the hands of uh, the great king. Not to say that a blessing and curse section of a yeah. treaty yeah. this is a standard. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's common to uh, many of their treaties, and they draw a lot from uh, Hittite uh, suzerain vassal uh, treaty forms. Would Moses have learned that in Egypt? I mean, well, he's a learned man. Some of those things were co common, common around, and you even see like Abraham, like at his time, we have covenant with God, but then he, he makes like covenant with some of the peoples, like Abimelech, uh, that lived in the land at that. Uh, at that time, like during those days. And so uh, they had different uh, kind of cultural ways of like making a, a legal covenant in treaty uh, for like their agreements. You know, uh, when he dug out the wells, these wells are mine. <laughs> and you agree that they're mine and setting up like boundaries for land or 
uh, trading property and such. And so you have kind of legal transactions. You gonna say something? Okay. And so here, uh, there are a number of, he goes into, and there are unique things, uh, like I think they say there are many unique things throughout this section, where it looks at some of these uh, blessings and curses, but also talks about, about when they're disobedient, uh, about uh, repentance uh, and provision for repentance. You have to be careful reading through that section. Uh, I used to look at, and some will say that it's just kind of a prophecy of the new covenant. Kind of like with the corporate offices, it's a little more complex than that. God was giving provision for repentance under the old covenant and instruction, and you'll see times throughout their history where they're brought to repentance under, yeah, right. under David, under Jehoiada, under Josiah and such. Uh, however, again, a lot of those were short-lived, and so there are expectations bound up with repentance for the nation, uh, with God redeeming the nation, pouring out his spirit, causing all of them to walk into his statutes, that there are expectations that are grander than any uh, brief repentance that they had in the time of jo Josiah or after, uh, after captivity in Babel and they came back with Ezra and Nehemiah. You, you had people who came to faith and God's spirit was poured out. But they were short-lived. And so you have these expectations and such that were built up, but you can't just stop reading from Deuteronomy. Okay, skip the rest of the Old Testament, jump to the New Testament. Read through. You'll see repentances throughout and uh, uh, connections to these texts, but you wait for something uh, bigger. You look for a God to pour out his spirit on all his people uh, that they'd serve and obey him forever. Uh, you have language like that. And so you have expectations that are planted that are so grand that you end up quite disappointed by, you know, kind of uh, the, the repentances and the kings and the priests and the judges and prophets, you know, throughout the ages. Uh, the sinners disappoint. And so uh, they speak about the uh, witnesses. Uh, and we see this, for example, just look at a couple texts they cite. So uh, chapter... Uh, 30, verse uh, 19. Oh, hold up. Text. And there are a number of uh, witnesses that, that are mentioned along the way, and so sometimes it spe speaks about God will say, you yourselves are witnesses to these things you know, that God had done them into the covenant that was made. Uh, sometimes they'll speak about heaven and earth, you know, all of heaven, all of earth are witness to these things. Uh, there are even times they set up monuments and the stone that's like witness and such and uh, things like that. And you can even think of Jesus talking about witnesses uh, to himself, John the Baptist, you know, the Father is witness, uh, the Spirit, the works that are given to him, the words that he speaks, Moses, uh, the prophets, the scriptures. And so, here, as we look at, uh, we get someone to read uh, chapter 30, verse 19. Steve? 
Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh, yes, we huh. have Steve's 3019, here. 3019, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. Yep. And so I declare, yeah, I declare it to you today that you, uh, well, it talks oh. about the curse, but then I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. They've set before you life and death, blessing and curse, which we kind of heard before at the end of 11, chapter 11. Uh, therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, uh, loving Yahweh your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land uh, that Yahweh swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. And then chapter 30 is what I really want to look at, where you have... Uh, witnesses to the covenant, exhortations to, to Joshua, uh, but then depositing, Moses writes down, uh, they, they read this to the people, he writes it down, uh, gives it to the, the Levites for keeping uh, near the ark uh, in the tabernacle. And so the covenant, uh, and even there is provision for reading the covenant uh, like every seven years, mm -hmm. uh, the year of uh, uh, Shemitah. And a year of release and of uh, debts. So let's just start looking uh, chapter 31, verse 1. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And you see throughout these words, you know, it's all kind of bound up together, uh, his exhortations and the covenant language and commandments. And he said to them, <clears throat> I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. Uh, Yahweh has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. Uh, Yahweh your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as Yahweh has spoken and Yahweh will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, uh, the kings of the Amorites and to their land when he destroyed them. And Yahweh will give them over to you and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is Yahweh your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Wow, echo of Isaiah uh, where it says, uh, Yahweh, uh, sanctify, make holy uh, Yahweh in your hearts. Do not be afraid of the people. And then Peter draws on that and says, sanctify, make holy uh, Christ as Lord, Lord Yahweh in your hearts. Hmm. You know, what, what was his view of Jesus? <laughs> Drawing from uh, Isaiah chapter, chapter 8, uh, but you kind of hear that here and echoes throughout. So be, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is Yahweh your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of Israel, uh, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that Yahweh has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is Yahweh who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And so the commissioning of Joshua, you see simultaneously bound up with 
and we'll look at this more uh, and finish, Lord willing, next week. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, and to all the elders of Israel. So it's given to the priests, it's given to the elders for instruction to the people, written down, and Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release at the Feast of Booths in the seventh month, or tabernacles, uh, when all Israel comes to appear before Yahweh your God at the place he will choose. You shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear uh, Yahweh your God and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear Yahweh your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan uh, to possess. And so the writing down uh, of the covenant, uh, the covenantal documents, giving it to the priests, the elders for the instruction, provision for reading, uh, depositing it in the t uh, tabernacle uh, near the, uh, the Ark of uh, uh, Testimony uh, as a remembrance uh, between God and the people uh, of the covenant that he made with them as their great king and lord uh, and as his servants, uh, as his uh, holy people, uh, to be a kingdom of priests, uh, a holy nation before him. And so uh, we'll just look at that some more and see how that connects also with the song that Yahweh gives to him and, and Moses' blessing uh, that brings to the end of Deuteronomy. And so it just gives a bit of a survey of the Torah so uh, we understand Genesis better in context and also see throughout uh, Moses' writing, Moses' instruction. Uh, the, the Torah is Moses' uh, instruction throughout and even a couple of those places like we'll touch on at the end of Deuteronomy, uh, where you might have like anachronism. You know, as Jim said, you'll find at these places where you'll have a little background, maybe for a later generation. It just, okay, you know, here are a couple of points about the context that you need to know. Here's a little background. All right, back to Moses, you know, uh, for the instruction. But you don't see altering of, hey, you know, 10 commandments, 11, 12, 13, you know, <laughs> taking away anything like that. And so, uh, we'll look at a little bit of that at the end of uh, they might Deuteronomy. Have put that in the first copy they made over across the river. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Forever. Well, they, they still had you know a little time here as they transition you know right right, right across and he pointed Joshua as a prophet in the priests uh, for the keeping of the uh, instruction of the people. So let's just close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your prophet and servant Moses. Uh, Thank you for the instruction that you've given us. And uh, even though uh, we're not under the Torah as covenant, uh, as uh, binding legal covenant, uh, Christ has fulfilled it. Uh, there's uh, instruction uh, in, about your anointed, about uh, your blessing, about uh, the hope of your salvation and redemption uh, through your son. And so we... Thank you for all of these things and uh, pray that our hope and trust would be uh, in Christ and in his once for all perfect sacrifice uh, on the cross. And uh, we thank you that uh, he uh, lives again and that he's seated at your right hand to 
uh, intercede for us for forever and for all time. And uh, we look forward to his coming and uh, the coming of your kingdom. And uh, we pray, Lord Jesus, uh, that you'd come quickly and uh, pray that you would uh, work in us that which is uh, pleasing in your sight by the power of your Holy Spirit. So we thank you for all uh, these uh, things and pray that you bring us back together again safely. Amen.